Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study, the 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting. My name is Monica T., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater presently in Vermont. Today is Wednesday, June 27th, 2018, the 7 a.m. meeting, and today we are reading from the Big Book. We are in the chapter, Into Action. We are on page 78. We will be reading three paragraphs, beginning with the second paragraph on page 78, Most Alcoholics Owe Money, ending with We Must Not Shrink at Anything. And today's readers are the 12 Steps, Jackie M., the 12 Traditions, Alana M., Rita K., Pia S., Kelly T., our newcomer greeter is Kathy M., and the host for the second hour is Ruth H., And the share ID for yesterday, Tuesday, June 26, the 7 a.m. meeting was, is 11,584-11584. And for yesterday's 10 a.m. meeting, 11,585-11585. OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous, is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group, has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And I will now ask Jackie M. to read the 12 steps of OA for us, please. Hi, good morning, everyone. This is Jackie M., recovered in New York. The 12 Steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, 
sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me do service. Have a great day, everyone. Thank you, Jackie M. I will now ask Alana M. to read the 12 Traditions of OA for us, please. Thanks, Monica. This is Alana M., grateful recovering compulsive overeater from Ottawa, Canada. And here are the traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for a group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. Thank you, Elena M. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. I will be timing. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinent requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinent requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. And once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. And today, we are resuming our study of the big book. We are on page 78, the second paragraph that starts, Most Alcoholics Owe Money. We will be reading through three paragraphs, ending with, We Must Not Shrink at Anything, and comments will be taken on all three paragraphs. And with that, I'm going to ask Rita Kay if she would begin reading for us, please. Good morning, Monica. This is Rita Kay. Compulsive Overeater Recovered in Kansas. 
Most alcoholics owe money. We do not dodge our creditors. Telling them what we are trying to do, we make no bones about our drinking. They usually know it anyway, whether we think so or not, nor are we afraid of disclosing our alcoholism on the theory it may cause financial harm. Approached in this way, the most ruthless creditor will sometimes surprise us. Arranging the best deal we can, we let these people know we are sorry. Our drinking has made us slow to pay. We must lose our fear of creditors no matter how far we have to go, for we are liable to drink if we are afraid to face them. Perhaps we have committed a criminal offense, which might land us in jail if it were known to the authorities. We may be short in our accounts and unable to make good. We have already admitted this, is, this in confidence to another person, but we are sure we would be imprisoned or lose our job if it were known. Maybe it's only a petty offense such as padding the expense account. Most of us have done that sort of thing. Maybe we are divorced and have remarried but haven't kept up the alimony to, to number one. She is indignant about it and has a warrant out for our arrest. That's a common form of trouble, too. Although these reparations take innumerable forms, there are some general principles which we find guiding, reminding ourselves that we have decided to go to any lengths to find a spiritual experience. We ask that we be given strength and direction to do the right thing, no matter what the personal consequences may be. We may lose our position or reputation or face jail, but we are willing. We have to be. <clears throat> we must not shrink at anything. You know, when I when I when I read this over a few minutes ago, I thought, well, what in the world am I going to say? <laughs> you know, and but you know, I give it to God and just trust that <laughs> that what I do say is meaningful. Uh, but. This last part here that talks about finding a spiritual experience, I kind of zeroed in on that because once again, with everything that we're that we're doing here and working the steps, each step that we go through, and every every it's like every action that we're taking is aimed towards this one thing, and that is to finding the spiritual experience to grow along spiritual lines because this is the spiritual program, it's not a religious program. And that is the foundation of what we're doing. That's the foundation of our recovery, is that spiritual experience. And so that that little sentence there, which is kind of tucked in here, you know, is that reminding ourselves that we have to, that we have decided to go to any length to find the spiritual experience. And we talked about that way back at the beginning, most of us, when we went through the doctor opinion with our sponsors, you know, that spiritual experience. And so here we are again, way in step nine, talking about our creditors, talking about some scary stuff for some of us, you know, whether it's facing jail or facing employers or facing spouses or, you know, whatever the situation, it can be, this this is some dicey stuff. But it points once again to the spiritual experience and also doing the right thing. And I just wanted to share right quick 
you know, the stories in the book uh, also speak to us. And this one uh, uh, paragraph spoke to me on page 317, and I really found it in connection with what we're reading. When I am willing to do the right thing, I am rewarded with an inner peace no amount of liquor could ever provide. When I am unwilling to do the right thing, I become restless, irritable, and discontent. It is always my choice. Through the 12 steps, I have been granted the gift of choice. I am no longer at the mercy of a disease that tells me the only answer is to drink. If willingness is the key to unlock the gates of hell, it is action that opens these doors so that we may walk freely among the living. And we're talking about action. The name of this chapter is Into Action. And all of this that we're talking about is pointing us towards that spiritual experience. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Rita Kay. And now I'm going to open up the floor. Who would like to share? Lisa B. Katie G. from Boston. Elizabeth D. Anybody Vicky else? Vicki D. Matt M. Vicki D. Matt M. Okay, this is what I got. Lisa B., Katie G., Elizabeth D., Vicki D., and Matt M. Lisa B., you're up. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning to you. My name is Lisa B. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. And thank you for your service. Um So I wanted to share my experience, strength, and hope on this because I did have um, a lot of areas of dishonesty and stealing, you know, and uh, not being complete in in every area of my life, and it did show up that way with finances. But I also just want to share a line that I saw through my big book work and studying this of why I'm doing all this, and that is I need to have a behind my willingness to do this work is a hopeless desperation knowing that I am going to eat again, that I am going to drink mm. again. So, um, oh, someone just made a humming noise. <laughs> um, so anyways, um, this has been a very powerful experience for me, step eight and nine in the area of finances. Um, I would always look for opportunities to get away with something and to, to take something and not have to pay for it. And I did that with my um, local city here where I live in uh, not paying proper taxes and I um, needed to go down there and make a direct amend and repay that money but I did it with guidance and direction from other recovered fellows and really being very clear on what I'm doing, what my purpose is, why I'm doing it, what I'm going to say and how I'm going to make this right. Um, I did break my anonymity in that experience. Um, Other times I have not broken my anonymity just for various reasons, but another um, repayment that I've done is through employers where I stole supplies and I stole clients from them. And I was able to make direct amends and sit down with them and first get permission from them to meet with them and uh, let them know what I'm doing and that um, I I know that that was wrong, that it's my intention to make it right, and to repay that money. Um, some of the money I'm still paying back slowly. I did steal from my father when I worked from, for him, and I'm repaying that now slowly over time. But um, I can't drag my feet on these things 
and make excuses like, well, I'll just do it $5 a month. You know, that's all I can afford. No, no, I can't, I can't make it so easy. It has to be an effort and a struggle and an inconvenience, and it needs to all be repaid back entirely. But I also have to set, let go of that selfish desire to have it all done now, you know, because I get impatient and angry when nothing is done perfectly. It must be done perfectly and put in a little box with a ribbon on it, and it's not like that. So um, it's done over time. This is a re- road of reconstruction, you know, is over time. So the other thing um, that I have to remember is that more will be revealed. And as I make amends, I keep getting more and more unblocked from my higher power. And then Time. more awarenesses come back to me. And I have to be willing to go to any length to put that on my eight-step list and make it complete with my ninth-step list. With that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa B. And remember, if you're not the next speaker, please mute, keep your phone muted. Katie G., you're up, and then it'll be Elizabeth D. Good morning, Monica. Good morning, my fellows. Katie G., recovered compulsive overeater, anorexic, and bulimic. And, yeah, I mean, the thing is, if I'm willing to go to any length, all that means is that I have truly connected to my step one powerlessness. If I have no power, no choice, or no control around the food, then making these amends will be a privilege, right? Those are my options. Make the amends, go back to the food. Those are my choices. Um, And I, too, have had um, extensive opportunity to steal. Um, I have stolen time from work. I've been at work and made program phone calls. I've been at work and searched on the Internet. I've been at work and done 10 steps for hours on end. I've been at work and said I'm doing my job and not done my job. And then more more overtly, I've been at work and um, said that I am a healthcare provider in a certain discipline and I have overbilled patients. I have put my my license at risk. I have committed Medicare fraud. And when I went to make amends for that, what do you know? There's someone in program who has my exact career. And she she was someone in whom the problem has been solved. And she was able to help me figure out exactly how to pay back that money and how to pay back that time. And oh, by the way, if I owe money and I say, oh, well, my budget doesn't allow it. Well, let's take a look at the budget, Katie. How many manicures a month are you getting? How many, how many haircuts a month are you getting? How many facials? How many? Because if I'm continuing to spend that money, I'm continuing to spend, to, to spend money that's not mine. I am stealing. If I owe that money, I am stealing. And these are the hard truths that I had to look at in amends. Um, in, in terms of how to show up, and I did show up. I showed up, I, I showed up early at work and I didn't clock in and I did my job. I showed up um, and I was willing, I was willing to go to um, the proper authorities. And, you know, thank you God, I, I'm free today. Um, and, you know, another time I, I took money um, from somebody around an unemployment issue and I went to the unemployment office and I was willing to say, hey, I need help here, but I wanna be clear this is all done under the guidance of recovered people, right, and um, in whom the problem has been solved. And I wasn't on step one, right? I had done steps one through nine. I was ready to go, and my willingness was, was predicated on my acceptance of step one powerlessness because I have to be. If I start shrinking, eating will be a step up. 
Um, and so, you know, there's a huge fellowship here. When you are on this step, I'd encourage you to call people and ask. And I love what the previous speaker said, like, this is not comfortable. This is about getting honest and um, the freedom that comes with freeing myself the first time I admitted to another recovered person that I needed help in this area. That was my undoing and my connection to God. So what a privilege this is that I don't have to lie and I can show up today as a woman of honor, dignity, and grace with and only with the power of God. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Katie G. Elizabeth D., you're up, and then it'll be Vicki D. Thank you, Monica. Can I be heard? Yes. My name's Elizabeth D. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in the Boston area. Um, what I'd like to share is very similar to what I've heard. Um, and I, I'm, you know, it's 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 hard to to um, uh, to go after that because it's it's pretty much um, my what I wanted to share. But I guess I wanted to to say a couple of things. Although these reparations take innumerable forms, that word reparations really hits me. Um, first of all, because it means uh, it, that is the the verb the noun form of the word repair. So this isn't just about saying I, what I've had to understand over time. So this is just not this is not just about saying I'm sorry for what I did. It's also about repairing the damage that I did, um, and that's taken many different forms over the time that I've done the steps. And um, the last time I um, the last time I went through the steps was following a really nasty. Uh, relapse and I'd been in relapse uh, over and over for years and my last relapse um, by the way they don't get better uh, they only get worse um, and um, I was I was in abstinence and I was completely in abstinence and I was uh, doing the steps and I read this I read this page on this um, part of the big book on page 67 when when I was doing my fourth step it said notice that the word fear is bracketed alongside the difficulties and I'm going to go quickly because we're not really on this part but do did we not ourselves set the ball rolling it set in motion trains of circumstances which brought us misform, misfortune which we felt we didn't deserve sometimes we think fear ought to be classed with stealing it seems to cause more trouble so much of my difficulty at work was related to procrastination and perfectionism. I can't start that project unless I can do it perfectly. And then I would get into a fierce cycle around, well, I'm not going to do it perfectly, so therefore I'm going to be, I'm not going to be able to do it. And then I just put it off and do something else. And when I'm in the worst of my disease, I put it off and I go to the corner store and I get something to eat or I go do my nails or I go get a facial or whatever. But what I'm doing is I am stealing what I come to, came to understand the last time I did the, did the steps and had a new understanding of the steps, that that fear set in motion a form of stealing in me. That procrastination and perfectionism set in motion a form of stealing, which was, in effect, not doing the work that I was paid to do. And it was, became very clear to me that this was an infinitely grave problem. And I could lose my position or reputation or face jail, not jail perhaps, but at least lose my position or reputation. Um, and so, thank you. So I won't ha don't have time to go into the 
the um, uh, the the um, repairs that I made on that regard, but it, but um, what I did talk about was how serious this was for me, and I'm grateful for the opportunity to share. And I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Elizabeth D. Vicki D. It's your turn, and then it'll be Matt M. Good morning, everyone. Thank you, Monica. I'm Vicki D. And based in the New York area, recovering compulsive overeater. Um, I've heard so many great things from the previous shares that I think anything I'm going to say is to, would tack on to it. But this idea about stolen time has been really important to me because many of the amends I make to people have to do with um, some dysfunction that I had in the relationship which stole time from that relationship. It didn't allow the relationship to be healthy. So in my, relation, in my amends to people, mm. um, I really uh, feel that it's important for me before the amends to really get clear on what that time was, you know, and how, how perhaps wonderful the relationship could have been had I not stolen that time through my dysfunction. So I think that's all I wanted to share today. Thanks very much. Thank you, Vicki D. And again, gentle reminder, there's someone that is unmuted. We hear you. Matt M., it's your turn. Thank you. Please excuse the sound of my air conditioner. It's really loud. Good morning, everyone. This is Matt M., a compulsive overeater from New Jersey. You know, there's a lot of things I've done that I'm not proud of. When I was in my disease, I actually stole money from my uncle that I was caretaking for. So I thought I deserved that money because he was abusive. I thought, this is what I deserve. You know, when I'm in the food, I used to think I was very entitled. I had a sense of entitlement to a lot of things. You know, stole money from my grandmother's purse, my mother's purse. You know, just because I thought I needed to, I needed to get my drug of choice, which was the food. You know, and, um, you know, so I lived, unfortunately, all three of them have passed away. So I'm like, how do I make reparations? And I realized, you know what? They want me to live to lead a better life than what I'm living. I don't steal anymore. I don't take what's not mine from other people. I ask for what I need. I don't do. I'm not passive aggressive with other people. I, if I have something, if I have a need that I, that I that has to get filled, I ask in a nice way directly. Because you know, one of the one of my casualty effects is being completely passive aggressive when I need when I need when I need my needs met. And people know people are not people are not mind readers. They can't guess what I need. They can't guess what I'm feeling either. So, you know, um, when it comes to, um, you know, making amends financially, I owe a lot of people money. I owe people that lent me money over the years. I mean, I don't even know how I'm even going back to paying this off, but I realize I have the willingness to do it. And when I do eventually get extra money, I will definitely work on getting my amends from the reparations that I owe people. But right now, like, I have to, like, you know, have the list ready and be willing to go at it as soon as I have the money. I have to be willing to to move as soon as I'm able not to, not to sit back and, and twiddle my thumbs. I have to be willing to take action. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Matt M. And for those who may have come on a little bit later, we are on page 78, the second paragraph, Most Alcoholics Owe Money. We have read three paragraphs ending with, We Must Not Shrink at Anything. And who else would like to share this morning? Russ M. Russ. Pearl M. Say that again, please. Pearl M. Pearl M. Okay, Chrissy G. Katie T. Katie T. Anybody else? This is what I've got. Russ M., Pearl M., Chrissy G., Katie T. Go ahead, Russ. Good morning. 
Good morning, Monica. Good morning, fellows. Uh, Russ M., recover compulsive overeater outside of Philly. You know, after I'm listening to this and all the beautiful shares and going through this part of the book, it's like all these things are popping up. You know, we all come in the program, well, at least I did. Man, I'm a pretty good guy. You know, I never ripped anybody off. I was trying to do the right thing. But as I dig deeper, I see the damage I did. You know, definitely stole time from people. But money is the story of my life. It's what it is. I've been battling that my whole life. And it's like an obsession, just like the food. I just can't kick it. I can't manage it. And, um, you know, I think of the things that I did. You know, I kind of, I, I, you know, to share this with you, it kind of gets me upset, but I did it. You know, when I was in an active addiction, I mean, I stole christening money from my children. I stole Holy Communion money from my kids. I stole from my parents. And I'm not, I'm not talking about, uh, you know, little money, big money for my business because I was failing. It wasn't their responsibility. You know, they helped me out, but, you know, I never paid them back. And more than anything, I stole from myself. I stole my dignity and uh, my integrity because I was wrapped up in this. It doesn't give me an out. It does not give me an out. I have to be responsible for my actions, no matter if I'm medicated or I'm not. So it's going to be a lifelong process, but there's hope. There's hope, man. Like I always say, seemingly hopeless state of mind and body, you know. So God can heal me of the food. He can heal me of financial issues. I'm just going to trust in him. But, you know, we th- I think I'm so great. And my ego is still churning down there in, the, in that little hole in my head saying, hey, you're a good guy. You know, poor me. Why is this happening? I created it myself. I created all this crap myself. I'm born with this, but, you know, I did create the action, so. It's, a, it's going to be a long time going, but at least we have a plan. You know, it's not like I was two, three years ago where I was freaking out. So there is hope. Um, thanks for bringing that up. Thanks for letting me uh, see that. I appreciate everyone, and have a beautiful day. Love you. Thank you, Russ M. Pearl M., you're up, and then it'll be Chrissy G. Good morning, everyone. Thank you all for your service. My name is Pearl M. out of North Carolina, and I just want to share on this one financial um, I had to do. Um, when my mother passed away back in 98, I was in charge of her health care power of attorney, not her finances, but I took it upon myself to get some of her money out of her finances and pay my car off. She left my brother in charge of her finances, and this went on for years. Every time I would see my brother, I would have a little bit of guilt there, and then when he would do something I didn't like, I was like, yeah, I deserve that money anyway. But those stay with me throughout all the years. And so once I got into this program and God brought to my attention what I had done, and I said, oh, my God, I have to make amends to my brother. And so I talked to my husband about it, and it was around $1,500. And I talked to my husband about it. He was like, yeah, take the money out of the account. You could, we could do that. And I'm like, no, this was my amends. I'm not going to take the money out of our account. I just, I'll go into my 401k. I got a, a little 401k set to the side. I'll take that money out, and I will uh, pay my brother off. So I got the money out of my 401k and um, called my brother. He lived in, like, Virginia. And I said, I'm coming to visit you. I just want to see you. He was like, okay, come on out. Come on down. 
And so my, my husband and I went to see my brother, and uh, we had a wonderful time. He took us out to dinner, and, and I was just so nervous the whole time because I knew what I had to do, and I didn't know how he would react because he loves money. But I was prepared. So uh, we got to the dinner table. We were playing games with my husband and I and him and his wife. And so I said, I need to talk to you. And he was like, okay, what's going on? He was like, oh, God, what is it? I'm like, no, no. And I, and I did break my anonymity. And I thought, I'm, I'm in OA. And I said, uh, and God has revealed to me something that I, I need to repair. And I advised when my mother, when mom passed away, I took some money uh, of hers and I paid off my car. And that's been bothering me all of these years. And I just want to give that money back to you. I said, so I, I re- here's a check. And I want to just pay you back. And so I wrote the check out and I gave it to him and he took it and he tore it up. He said, you don't need to. That was so freeing. God is so amazing. I can look at my brother now and not have any guilt. And that even brought me closer to God. And I just wanted to share that. If anybody who's struggling with any financial mess, go ahead and make them. You never know what God is going to do. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Pearl M. Chrissy G., it's your turn, and then it'll be Katie T. This is Chrissy G., recovered compulsive overeater and anorexic from New York. Um, When I I got, I was working um, these steps when I first got abstinent back in 2014. Um, It all, like, a lot of, of my consequences of all my past actions were kind of like hitting the fan at the same time. So it was, for me, it was something that had to be done. I was in the midst of being audited for a business that I had. So it was like I was literally taking inventory of, you know, what came in and what went out. And, you know, and then I, I had to turn it all over to people that would make a determination about what I owed, what I didn't owe. And it, it could have been, I mean, it was astronomical what, what, it, what the potential, the highest amount could have been that I would have owed back. I mean, it would have meant maybe losing my house and, you know, just the kind of financial disaster that are people's worst nightmares. And all I could say is that something miraculous took over. Like I knew, I knew that, you know, I just, I mean, I, I, I worked with my sponsor on this, obviously with fear inventories and put it through the steps, the fears over and over and over again about what could happen. But I just felt like such a relief to not, be living the life I was living anymore you know it wasn't just about the food it was just about being in the rat race and it was like if I could be free of this food and I could be free of this you know obsession and and the obsession to be better and make money and all of the stuff that went along with my addictive behavior I I was just willing to do whatever it took, you know, even even paying back um, more money than I even had, you know, um, at the time, and and 
So I went into it and I, I was completely forthcoming. I gave them everything that they wanted and I didn't, I didn't try to hide anything or, you know, I, I, and I, I was really careful not to lay myself open to, you know, sometimes the pendulum swings and, you know, where sometimes we're just overly honest to the, to a point where we're making things up, you know, that's me anyway. So I was just careful to be accurate and the outcome was pretty cool. You know, they, nothing ever happened, nothing ever came of it, but the whole process just helped me be able to really let go of that area of my life in a way that I didn't ever think possible. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Chrissy G. Katie T., it's your turn. Hi, this is uh, Katie T., a uh, recovered compulsive eater um, from South Carolina. Um, I left OA 10 years ago, over a little over 10 years ago, and just recently came back. Well, in that 10 years ago, I um, was guided through the big book, as, like we're doing now. I had a strong sponsor who had a strong program. And um, I made financial reparations during that time for uh, an arson I had committed um, in which I'd gotten a renter's insurance and ended up having to pay back, um, in in my amends, $15,000 within a year out of an average salary, and I did it. And I had also, years before that, laying in wait in the basement of a business I used to work to go upstairs to uh, rob everything in their cash drawer because I knew where it was kept. Um, those those were not my most difficult amends. My most difficult amends have been on in, in interpersonal issues, and I do want to share that this time around, um, I had three of my five brothers and sisters that uh, we had been alienated from each other for three years since my parents' death, um, parents' deaths within two years, and I was uh, a co-executor and in the process of attempting to be the most fair and uh, reliable person, um, several people were angry at, at how the estate was administered and uh, ceased all contact with me. I felt it was important to be face-to-face with those people. I live in South Carolina. They live in Montana. And I went to Montana, and I drove around Montana in my sister's van, one of the uh, two siblings I was still speaking with, and I drove around Montana in that van. I spent an hour with a brother that I had done great harm to. I had punished him all of his life by shunning him, by gossiping about him, by encouraging others to dislike him like I did, uh, I would do anything, in essence, to get even for something he had done to me as a child. And um, I was able, when I went to him, to truly, after this work in my four-step inventory and with my sponsor, um, to go to him and to know that I had done him far more harm, lasting harm, than he had ever done to me. We spent only an hour together before I went on to to drive another six hours to see my next uh, brother. But our relationship is repaired. I saw a brother and a sister in Billings, Montana. Our relationships are repaired. I knew I had no right or 
right to expect anything like that from making the amends. I was making my amends because they needed to be made. They needed to be made for my own health, for my own recovery, and as our book says, to fit me um, for service to others. And I'll tell you, that direct amends did for me what um, telephone, emails, letters, texts could never have done. Uh, And I thank God for everything in this program. Uh, And that'll sign off. Thank you. Thank you, Katie T. And we are on page 78, the second paragraph, starting with most alcoholics owe money. We went through three paragraphs, ending with we must not shrink at anything. And we've got time for probably maybe three shares. Who would like to share? Garrison M. Mm, I didn't get I think I got a Garrison. Yeah. Is that correct? Hold on. Hold on. Garrison, what's your last initial? M. As in Maryland. Okay, Garrison Mem. Okay, I got one. (laughs) Who else? Barbara E. Barbara. All right, Barbara, gotcha. One more. Harlan G. Harlan. Okay, this is what I got. Garrison M, Barbara E, Harlan G. Garrison, you're up. Go ahead. Okay, thank you so much. This is Garrison M in Maryland, and um, I'm uh, I'm recovering uh, compulsive overeater. And um, I just wanted to say I'm on step four right now, actually, and I'm um, and I'm just discovering all of these issues about um, about money. Not that I'm gonna. I don't think I'm gonna have these financial amends. But I just wanted to say, and I'll just say this briefly because I actually don't have the book open in front of me. So um, I, um, I just, I'm just amazed at how much time and energy my thoughts are spending on um, obsessing about um, getting ahead in the world and um, doing better than other people and competing in those ways and um, and. Uh, and you know, I could see myself doing doing things that were um, uh, that are you know um, illegal or um, or um, just immoral um, around money. And um, and uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to working the rest of the steps and being rid of this. So thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Garrison M. Barbara E. You're up, and then Harlan G. Uh, can I be heard? Barbara E., it's your turn. Mm-hmm. Yes, thank you so much. I'm so impressed by everything I've heard of the willingness that people did and were willing to do to get to their better selves. Um, fear. Fear definitely uh, ruled my life. I, How did I get the balls rolling? I had a sense of entitlement. Someone mentioned that before I stole from the supermarket ripping open bags filling my little sacks with candy because look how much money they made off us I was making excuses for doing that I had no moral compass Uh, the only moral compass I had was way off kilter I didn't want to get caught I cheated financially I stole in time, I lied, I made excuses for everything. There's a term called cognitive dissonance. 
It's the theory that people subconsciously reinterpret their motives and actions in a way that makes them feel better about themselves. And then they start to believe that the basis of this reinterpretation is true. And once I did a risky thing, it was easier to do it again. So I stole from the supermarket, as I said. I didn't feel confident, and with the aid of my sponsor, I didn't feel confident that just giving them a blank check would solve the problem. So what we came up with, I make monthly donations to the food pantry in my area. This is my way of giving back. I wasn't the daughter. I felt I wasn't the daughter I needed to be. My mother's passed away. So I volunteer in a senior citizen center. I have to always consider, am I going to do something that would endanger my family by going to the school board and confessing something that perhaps might jeopardize my pension? I've never been able to do that. But honestly, someone before said that they felt that if they did not do this, they go back to eat again. In my heart of hearts, I never felt that that was the issue. I did not feel I would go back to eat again. I had the railings to support me, the tools, but the steps were to make me a better person, and I was not a good person. I was a creator of chaos. I only cared about me, not you, and I wanted to be that better person. So I have to do the work of the steps. I have to be scrupulously honest, ego deflation, and everything. Oh, perfect timing. I pass. Thank you, Barbara E. Harlan G., it's your turn. Thank you, Monica, and thank you to Team Wednesday for making this magnificent meeting possible. I'm so glad to be a part of it. Uh, I'm Harlan G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Scottsdale, Arizona. And when it says most alcoholics owe money, I'm not an alcoholic, but I owed a lot of money. I wrote many, many tens of thousands of dollars worth of bad checks. I lied when the truth would have served me better. And I got myself into a hole. My food habit in the 1970s, not my cocaine habit, not my heroin habit, my food habit in the 1970s was about 100 to $150 a day. My income was nowhere near that. I preyed upon anybody that would cash a bad check. I wrote bad checks to people who had loved me and nurtured me my entire life. And when I came into Overeaters Anonymous, I had become everything that disgusted me in a human being, a liar, a cheat, a manipulator, and a thief. And I had to go and make these reparations because there's one thing I knew. If I didn't, I wasn't going to recover from this illness. Now, how do I do this step without step two? I don't know. Because I had a look and I had to say, oh, my God, how am I going to pay this money back? Well, I was smart enough to steal it. I better be smart enough to pay it back. How do I do this step without a sponsor? I don't know. I had wonderful sponsorship. How do I do this step without step 10 and 11? Because the fear is going to come up and the selfishness and the dishonesty is going to come up and the anger is going to come up. I don't know. I have to start step 10 and step 11 right away after coming out of steps 
uh, eight and nine. I, as soon as I start these, not when I'm finished, as soon as I start these steps, it says in 10, we vigorously commence this way of living as we cleaned up the past. And I have to remind myself, and this is, I think, the third reference to this, reminding ourselves that we have decided to go to any lengths to find a spiritual experience. We ask that we be given strength and direction to do the right thing, no matter what the personal consequences might be. I am even with the house. I do not fear running into anybody that I owed money to. I am even with the house. I have paid back the money. And I have not found it necessary to compulsively overeat in over 19 years. This works. Willingness is overrated. I go into it with holding God's hand. I go into it with a sponsor. I go into it with God. And I look back and I say, it's done. I'm free today. You can be free too. Just take the action. Stop waiting for willingness. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Harlan G. And we do have time for a couple of more shares. Who would like it? Barb C. from Pemmick. Barb C. Jan S. Jan S. Okay, we'll go with that. Barb C., you're up. Hi, thanks for letting me share. Um, this is a big one for me. One of the things that's come to mind, uh, and I have a long history, as, as uh, many others have expressed, is being dishonest uh, around money, stealing time from work, uh, stealing money for food. Um, um, the, um, the thing that comes to mind for me is um, that I'm such an addict uh, I really am going to need guidance. I've done this in the past, um, where I've given, um, where I've, I've made direct amends, and it's been a good process. But what I realize as an addict is that I get a hit from that. And without proper guidance, and without a really strong spiritual relationship, um, a spiritual connection with God, with my higher power, um, it's like anything else. It's like, oh, this is another chance for me to feel good. And um, so I'm, um, as I go into this next round of working, if that, I want to, um, I want to make my amends in the full light of support from a recovered person and um, with a really, um, with, with a deep connection to my higher power, because otherwise the addict in me is going to go, oh, this feels great. What a great hit. Oh, they... They were so gracious in accepting my, my amends. So that's just a piece of it for me, that every single thing in the world can be a hit for me as an addict. Um, and um, so I think that's, um, that's, uh, that's all I want to say about that. It's just, it is, it is a, a brilliant process. And I love the sense of hope that, that I um, can continue and grow in freedom from my missteps. But um, uh, I recognize that uh, it's something I'm going to need a lot of guidance around. I really have to work directly with a sponsor because there's a part of me that wants all of that attention of, oh, no, you know, owe me a culpa and have somebody go there, there, you know. So anyway, um, that's that's all I have to offer today, and I'm so grateful to be on the line and uh, to uh, to be part of it. Thanks, folks. I'll pass. Thank you, Barb C. Jan S. It's your turn. 
Good morning. This is Janice from St. Augustine, Florida. Thank you all for your service, and thank you, Monica, for your moderating. Um, I'm going to ask you to time me, if you please. Um, so for me, I'm, I'm currently doing an, another fourth step again, and um, this one is uh, this one's really uh, for me bringing up a lot more of what I, you know, what I did in terms of uh, robbing people of my uh, attention and time. It, it was more, it was, it was a lot of, you know, like time, like I, I needed to be there and I wasn't because of the, my addiction, not only to food, but to other um, substances and activities that um, just took me, took me out, took me out, took me out of the present, took me out of, you know, being supportive or being where I needed to be. And, uh, and, and kept me anesthetized pretty much. So um, I will make amends for that again, you know, coming up, you know, it's going to be a little bit yet, but I'm grateful because, you know, for the most part in my presence, I, you know, having worked these steps so many times before in my present, I don't, you know, I, I address it right away, which has been the best gift, you know, because every time I do a four step, I understand that, my 10th step is like a four step for me and I have to rat on myself and I have to get it out and, you know, work it through and make amends immediately. I can't afford to live with that anymore. So this stuff, you know, will be the same. And I'm grateful. I'm grateful for every day that I am willing to look at, at, at these things and understand that, you know, I am, I am responsible, but I, I don't choose to whip myself and beat myself anymore. And that's the difference for me moving forward in my recovery to understand that, you know, I am a child of, of the God of my understanding and that, um, you know, with his guidance and being willing to do his will, you know, I continue to grow spiritually and that's, that's the miracle. And through it all, I don't, I, I'm grateful. I do not pick up the food, eating anything that's not on my plan is just simply not an option. And that's how I stay clear and that's how I keep working my program. So thank you. Thank you all. Thank you, Jan S. And we've got one minute. Who would like it? Hi, this is Janice M.O. Janice, go ahead. You got it. One minute. Um, I just wanted to share how creative God is, that um, God is much more creative than I could ever be, and just encourage people in the process that just talk to your sponsor, reach out to other people, and God will speak to them in much better ways than I could ever think of, and I'll pass with that. All right. Good morning. Thank you, Janice. All right. We've come to the end of our time for today, and thank you to everyone who has shared Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And first, I want to tell you the share ID for today. Uh, Wednesday, the 27th of June, is 11,592-11592. Pia S., would you read for us, please, from page 164? 
Yes, I will. Thank you. Thank you, Monica, for a great meeting. This is PIS. I'm a recovered compulsive reader and I'm calling from Sweden today. So our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.